So let me ask you a question. What is holding you back from doing everything that God has called you to do in this life? What is the one thing that you feel like, like, or these things that come into our lives that you feel like if you were moving forward, it's a tether always pulling you back to walk into what God has for you? Today, what we're going to look at is we're going to see how you and I can truly move forward in life. The reality is, is for so many of us, we, we want to follow God, we want to do what God has for each one of us, but we tend to hold back. There are things that either allow us to escape or to return, or we have a plan B or whatever it may be. And today, I want us to see with God, you don't need a plan B. That if God has called you to something in this life, it's accomplished. It's already done. It's already happened. And so this series came about as we get ready to enter into this new season called Burn the Ships. I think as a church, we can remember and reminisce on all of the great things that God has done, but we're not ever going back. It's a new way forward now. And so this story and this idea comes from the year 1519. In 1519, there was a Spanish explorer, Hernan Cortez, and he set sail from Mexico with an entourage of about 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 53 soldiers. They arrived in Mexico, and there was an indigenous population of about 5 million people. 5 million indigenous people in that area. So the ratio was 1 to about 7,500. 1 to 7,500, and they are going in to this new land. So when Cortez enters uh, this new land, he realizes the insurmountable odds that they are facing. And what he realizes is unless everyone is committed, we will fail. And so Cortez ordered his sailors to light torches and set to fire the ships that could take them home. He said, burn the ships. Because we have to commit to this season if it's going to be successful. We have to commit to what this this mission is, and we cannot have a way of returning. When we burn the ships, we are completely committed to what is going to happen. And I think as a church and as individuals in this room, I believe God is calling us to burn the ships. I think he's calling us into this new season of life in this new area. And for some of us, we need to burn the boats. I mean, have you been there in your life like God calls you to do something, but you leave a rowboat on the shore? But how many times when the hour is the darkest and the the day, the moment seems insurmountable, your mind goes from instead of figuring out how God's going to do it, you're figuring out how to get back home. You retreat constantly. You, 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 you in this life are in the moment where, where you say, like, I don't know what to do. And I believe this isn't a moment to call us out. This is a moment to call us up. And so we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at this prophet who gets called named Elisha. Not Elijah. Elijah calls Elisha. But I want us to see how Elisha responds to the call of God in his life. It's, it's just a few short verses, but I think it is probably one of the most profound scriptures of obedience to God that I've seen. 
If you have a Bible, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Let's start there. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Everyone say 12 yoke. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. We get into this, this history of Israel where Israel has asked for kings. Israel said, hey, if we just have good kings, we'll be okay, right? We have prophets, priests, and kings. Israel asked for all of them, and so we're in this part of the history of Israel where they said, hey, we need these kings to come in and rule us, but how many of us know that the kings don't work out? The kings don't do well, and what ends up happening is, is there's some bad kings that arise, and all of the prophets except for Elijah are killed in Israel. Look, Nobody likes prophets, right? Because they're generally coming to you saying, you better stop doing this. You better change who this is in your life. If you do not, judgment, there's something coming in your life if things do not change. And so the prophets are killed and Elijah is the only one left and he complains to God. God, I'm the only one. Didn't you see? God, I'm the only one. What what am I gonna do? God, I'm the only one. How are we gonna do this? And so God says, you're gonna go call somebody named Elisha. Now, Elisha in the Hebrew means God is salvation. Another translation may be God is our salvation. And what the text is indicating is Elisha's call is found in his name because he's perfectly prepared to do what God has called him to do. Let me ask you in this room today, what name is God calling you by? How is God calling you to himself right now? How is God in this moment calling you to be with him? In order for God to do something great in our lives, we have to be willing to hear the call of God in our life. And some of us in this room, you're ignoring it. Like there is a call. Oh, something happened. Praise God. Um, There is a call in what God can do and to do something in your life, but you're you're ignoring the call. Here's what we know about Elijah. The 12 oxen represented in the the text indicate that Elijah, uh, that's my brother, everyone. Say hello. His name's Preston. Okay. The 12 oxen represented in the book mean this. Elijah's rich. Elijah's rich. Elijah has 12 oxen and 12 yoke of oxen, and he is plowing these fields. And what it means for you and I and and for Elijah is that he is a prosperous person. But let me just tell you something in this room. God is not calling you for what you have, but who he's made you to be. See, some of us in this room believe that when it comes to the call of God, and the reason we can't burn the ships in our life and we need a backup is we say, but I don't have a lot to offer. I don't have all this stuff. I don't have all of these things. But I want you to notice something as we study the text. The text mentions that Elisha is very prosperous, but he ends up burning everything. Because his call is not predicated on what he has, but who God has called him to be. Who in this room needs to hear that God doesn't need what you have. He needs all of who you are. He needs everything. He, he needs you to, to move in this life. But here's the reality, and here's the first point of today's message. God is going to call you out of comfortable. 
God is going to call you out of comfortable, whether it's in ministry, whether it's talking to your neighbor, whether it's talking to the person at the restaurant, whether it is is parenting your kids, whatever it is, if it's a God-sized call in this world, it's going to be uncomfortable. And so a lot of us, when things get uncomfortable in the call of God, we make sure that there are boats on the shore so we can get out in case this gets messed up. Right? Like we, we, we have these ways and, and things to get out of this life. And, and so we say like, oh, God, if this gets bad, here's the eject button. But you'll never be able to walk into what God has for you in this life if you have the eject button. It's, the question is for you and I is, is your yes on the table? Like, and not a yes with an asterisk. A yes, whatever it may be. I'm in. So we find Elisha in this very comfortable moment in life, and God is going to call him out of this. Guys, we've spent like the past three months in this building getting it ready. Like I would encourage you after service, go out to the courtyard, head up to Kids Rock, see all of the incredible things that people have done in this place. I think Christian and I were here every night for maybe the past two weeks, past 10 p.m. Like just trying to get this place ready, trying to make sure it's not comfortable. It is a place where you and I are going to have to step out in faith. But here's what else we see. Look at what the Bible says as it continues in verse 9. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, for you and I, we're like, what, what does that even mean? Like, he threw a jacket on him? Was it cold out? Like, I don't understand. But what this cloak represented was the power, the authority, and the call. And so I, I love Elijah because he just walks up and he's like, oh, you're Elijah? Okay, I'm just going to throw this jacket on you. Doesn't even say hi. Doesn't even say, hi, I'm Elijah. We have similar names. I'd like to call you. Doesn't even say, what up? What are you doing here? He just walks up and throws a coat on Elisha. Could you imagine? I mean, what would you guys do if you were out in the middle of some weird guy and probably the coat is made out of animal's fur? It was obviously a coat of a prophet. And this homeless looking guy ran up to you in a field and just threw his jacket on you. You'd be like, what is, uh-uh, right? Like you'd be taking the jacket off, you'd be freaked out. But Elisha knew exactly what that meant the moment the jacket hit his back. And here's what it is. God's destination, the destination of God's call is faith. Like when you talk about burning the ships and when you talk about like moving forward in life, there's this point where burning the boats is going to be this place where you're going to have to step in faith. Elijah controlled everything in his life up to this moment. It's interesting that the text even indicates that. It says he has 12 oxen and he's driving the last pair. What does that mean? Elisha is steering the ship. He's in control. He, he knows exactly what he's doing and everything is comfortable. He's wealthy. He's prosperous. He's all of these things and he is in control. In the moment that Elijah throws the jacket on his back, it is a call to faith. Because do you know where he didn't find Elisha? In a study. He didn't find Elisha in, you know, the Old Testament seminary where Elisha was studying the scriptures. He found Elisha in a field doing something totally unrelated 
to what God had called him to do. And it was really not just about the call, but it was about faith. Here's what God is saying to Elisha. I'm going to need you to let go of control. And I'm going to need you to follow after me. You and I are going to have to, if we're going to burn the boats, if we're going to burn the ships, and we're going to follow God, here's the reality. You have to release control. No, better than release. You have to give it. And I think there's a big difference. Because here's what I think the difference is scripturally. This is a brand new book. I'll probably break it. This is releasing. This is what a lot of us think the call of God is in our life. This is what we think. Like, oh, God has called me to release it. Control. We just drop the mic and walk out. God is not calling you to just release control. Paul, can you come up here real quick? There he is. Front row. Never again. Never again. This is release control. This is to give control. Do you see the difference in what we just happened here? Do you see? You can have the book, Paul. Thank you. Do you see the difference in that? Release control is just a mic drop, and you say, okay, God, just take care of it. But to give control is to show an act of obedience and faith. Here, this is my life. It's yours. That's exactly what he calls Elisha to do. Not just to release it, but to give control. Let me ask you a question. Have you given control in your life to God? Have you given control in your marriage? Have you given control in your finances? Have you given control in your business? Have you given control in your parenting? Because a lot of us, like, it's like a a release and, and you just walk away. And that's not what God is calling us to do. God is saying, I'm asking you to hand this to me. Because the moment the book left my hands, it's mine and it's in Paul's. That's exactly what happens in this moment. It's a place of faith. You're, you're not just letting it go and saying, I give up, this is apathy. What you are saying is, is, I am placing it in God's hands and I am trusting God to take care of this. Have you given control to God? Why, why is that so important? What, what does the burning of the ships represent? You're letting go of control. There, there is nothing you can do now. You can't swim back to Spain from Mexico, right? You you can't swim to Cuba from Mexico. You can't. And so what you're saying is, is whatever happens next is totally in your hands, and I have to let it go. Here it is. It's yours. And I'm going to trust you. But how many of us need to hear the difference is, is you have to know the one who you're giving control to. You know his character, You know his love for you. You know that he is good. And so let me ask us all in this room, what is causing you to not give control to God in your life? Here, this is yours. You made me. You designed me. You created me. I think you're a better steward of this than me. You have to give it away. And so many of us in this life, I think one of the reasons we we struggle with with burning the ships is because a lot of us go to a new place with an old identity. 
A lot of us go to a new place with an old identity. Look at where the text picks up. Second half of verse 19 into verse 20. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. What does he see? Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Do you notice Elisha's immediate, like, I get what's going on. I'm giving over. I am letting go, but, but I am now moving forward. He doesn't take the cloak off. The cloak off. What does him continuing to wear the cloak represent? A new identity. Farmers don't need cloaks like that. Some of you are wearing old garments trying to walk into new places. I mean, even the Bible talks about this. You have to take off the old self and put on the new. Some of you have a jacked up wardrobe in your life, literally and physically. Patrick, I'm looking at you. Let's just call up, not a call out. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Naomi, I'm sorry. You look good today, though. All right. Let me think. When the sailors from Cortez arrived on the shores of Mexico and they burned the ship, the sailors had to change identity. There weren't any more boats to sail. And so they went from sailors to settlers. And let me just tell you something. When you're in the middle of the jungle in Mexico, no one cares that you can drive a boat. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we need to build a new village. Hey, I just want to let everyone know I can drive boats. <laughs> what? I can drive boats. There's, there's no way around here that we need a boat right now. Just letting you know, I'll be a lot of help later. You're like, that guy, no. But for real, like in this moment, like, are you carrying, and the reason you can't burn the boats is because you, you've kept the identity of what that was. You, you've, you've held on, and, you, and you're not wearing the new clothes that God has given you, and so you feel like you can't move forward because you say the old me isn't ready for this. But there's new grace for the call. There's new anointing for the task. Your identity has to change. A couple years ago, I was at Liberty, and um, every couple years, you, you had like a student ID card, right? And every couple years, they would change the ID card. And I was always like, this is so annoying, because I'd have to go into this office, I'd have to go get my picture retaken, they'd have to print out this card, and I mean, I was just like, guys, all I do is swipe food on this thing. And so when I went from being an undergrad student to starting to work for the university, they put out these new cards, but I was like, I don't need one. I had an old ID. I just had my old Liberty ID. And and I had it for years until the day that I tried to go into the suites at a football game that I was invited to. And I brought my old ID to a new place. And when I brought my old ID, my old ID couldn't get me into where I was supposed to go. They were like, sorry, this, we don't really, is this accurate? Uh, this is old. And I was like, about that. Um, 
I didn't get a new one a year ago. Why not? I didn't think I needed it. I thought this was okay. And I couldn't get in to where I was supposed to be because I didn't have the right ID. So many of us in this room, you can't get into where God wants you to be because you're carrying around an old ID. You haven't put on the new garment yet. Let me give you an example of how old thinking, old identity thinking and new identity thinking works. I was listening this to Tony Robbins. And it was just this little short clip of Tony Robbins talking about addiction and smoking. And Tony Robbins um, was talking about these people quitting smoking. And he, and he goes to this person. This person comes up to him and says, I haven't smoked a cigarette in 1,522 days. And he's like, I, I'm not a smoker. And he said, no, no, no. You're just a person moving away from smoking. You're not a smoker. You, 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 you're attached to the old identity. And your whole identity is how far away you're moving from that day instead of walking towards a new thing that God's called you to. He said, you, you haven't quit this yet because your identity hasn't changed. You're, you're still this person who, who is moving away from smoking, right? I'm not, I'm not a smoker now, or it's been this many days since I've smoked. And he said, why would that be your identity is how far away you've moved from what you were rather than walking towards what you're called to be? How many of us in this room, that's how we talk about life? That's how we talk about our, our moments in life. We just talk about it's been 1,522 days since I did that. Instead of talking about what God has called you to. Instead of talking about your new identity. I don't know about you, but, but I don't talk about things that I'm not tied to anymore. I, I don't, I'm no longer a Sarasota High student. I never talk about it. has been 9,422 days since I was a Sarasota High student. Wouldn't that be weird for me to talk to you like that? Blake, who are you? I'll tell you who I am. I'm Mr. 9,342 days from what? Graduating high school. That's who I am. You're like, don't you have something better in your life? No, I just, that was it. And you laugh at that, but how many of you are like, I'm 9,322 days from being a porn addict. I'm 9,532 days away from being a, a drug addict. I'm 9,532 days from my divorce. I'm 9,522 days from being single. How weird would that be for your spouse? The way you identify, oh, happy anniversary. It's been five years since I was Listen, you're, it's, uh, we might need to do some marriage counseling. And you laugh right now. And you laugh. But how many of us, that's it? You're, you're just, you're, your sole identity is how far removed you are from that one thing you hated the most about you. Rather than talking about who God has called you to be now. It's time to put on a new jacket. It's time to put on a new identity. You're trying to get into what God has for you with an old ID and that leaves ships on the shore and you will revert back. You will revert back to what it is. Why? Because your mind is always called away from something rather than to something. Why can't we be who we want to be? And I really think it has to do with we don't have an identity change. 
Because here's the reality. Some of us are wondering like, well, God, I'm trying to walk towards what you have. I'm trying to burn the ships. I'm trying to do all these things. But you're carrying around this old identity. And let me just tell you something about identity. Who you are and who you think you are is what you will attract. And you're like, why don't I have people around my life encourage me in this? Why don't I have people in my life moving me towards what I'm supposed to be? Why don't I have all of these people around me? Why, why don't I have this Christian spouse? Why don't I have the, these people who are trying to date me that, that I align with now? Probably because you're identifying with the old you and not the new you. Who you are is what you will attract. What do you need to change in your life? How do you need to think differently about who you are? Because here's what goes on in the passage. I think this, this is such a short passage, but what happens is profound. Look at what it picks up with 21. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He killed, I mean, I'm sorry. Some of you are like, what? He killed the oxen. He slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. Hmm. And he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What did Elisha do? There's no going back. I've got new clothes. I got a new identity. I got a new call. I got a new purpose, and I got a new place to be. And so I am going to burn the ships so I can't go back. But a lot of us, this is what we do. We get a storage unit. Right? Elisha is wealthy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to come with you, but you're crazy, and you put this weird animal skin on me. Okay, I'm going to go into town. I'm going to go rent a barn. And I'm going to rent 12 stables. And I'm going to get a tack room in that barn. And I'm going to put all the plowing equipment in there just in case. And you're like, well, that's so smart. Kind of. But the barn would always be ringing in the back of his mind the days that being a prophet got hard. And so what does Elisha do? I'm not a farmer anymore. And being a farmer will not help me in where I'm going. So it's time to burn the ships. And so he slaughtered the cows. And I love it. He took the plows and he cooked the meat over it. What is he signifying? This is dead and gone. There is no going back. How many of us in this room have a plan B. I mean, I get it. Like, have a savings account. Like, there's some wise things. But let's get deeper than that. Like, if your rebuttal to me is simply like, well, shouldn't you save? Yeah, let's get deeper. Let's, Let's go a little bit deeper in our lives here because how many of us, like, yeah, you're in on Jesus, but there's also every other worldview and religion, and you're like, well, if I don't like that part of the Bible, I'll go to this. How many of us in our marriage, I'm going to get into someone's business here, you have your ex's cell phone numbers still in your phone. Is that plan B? You still got friends on Facebook that you shouldn't be friends with in case things don't work out? 
or you still have that secret savings account that your spouse doesn't know about just in case it doesn't work out? If you enter with your foot halfway out the door, it's really easy to leave. Let me ask you a question. Married people, is divorce part of your vocabulary in this room? If it is, you need to lose the word. One thing that Kelsey and I promised each other when we got married is we would never use the word divorce. It's like trying to light a match in a building to scare people to fireproof the room. Do you fireproof it yet? No? You're crazy. I know I'm crazy. But I'm going to use this thing that you're most scared of in our relationship in order to make you in on our relationship. I don't hang out with people who light matches in houses and threaten to burn it down. That's what the word divorce does in your marriage. It's like you lighting a match and say, every argument, we should get a divorce. What? Yeah, the way to keep you here is to threaten to burn you down. What? What? That means you're leaving ships on the shore. And there's nothing worse than feeling like, oh, I don't need you anymore. I got another place to go. Hmm? I don't know about you, but it's hard to invest in something like that. And let me just tell you the other thing. The people who are like that aren't invested in what's going on. Because let me, like, just, just give you this idea. This is what Elijah did. He, he burned the ships. He says that there's no way for me to go back. There's no way for us to move back in this life. And so what does burning the ships mean? It means letting go of control. It, it's giving it to God. Burning the ships commits you to having to work things out. It commits you in this moment to, to move forward, to find a way, to get inventive. Because let me just tell you something. Plan B kills plan A. Plan B kills plan A. At bedrock, we can't be who we were to go where God has called us to be. Who we were at faith needs to grow for who we're going to be here. And who we are here is going to need to grow for what God has for us next. Guys, like everyone just turn around for a second and look look around the room. This is uh, week one. is in two weeks. We're asking all, okay, let me just put it this way. Don't not invite people, but the reality is, is if all of you invite someone, we're out of the room. On day one, praise be to God. The, the reality is for us as a church is we are moving forward. We're burning the ships. We are, we are going and we are investing and we are engaged in what it is here. So let me ask you this. What is God calling to you, you to do and what is holding you back just in case? What's holding you back in, in work? What's holding you back in your faith? I used to have this friend um, and he was always joking, but I kind of was like, What? He would pray, and, and he used to be Catholic, and then at the end of every message, by the way, this isn't an anecdote, he's always making a joke about this. Um, he would, at the end of the prayer, do the sign of the cross, and he'd look at me and go, just in case. 
<laughs> and I like laughed. And then one day I was like, I was like, what do you mean, just in case? He's like, you know, just in case. I was like, no, no, I think you need to know. You got to have this settled. And there's nothing wrong with doing the sign of the cross. There's nothing, whatever. But he was making this like, just in case I need to go back this way. But how many of us, that's us in our life. That, that's you in your life. Let me ask you, how much time do you think about plan B rather than committing to plan A? Because here's the reality. Here's the real reality as we get ready to end this morning. The band's going to come up. And guys, thank you so much for being patient. I know my mic has cut out like 12 times. We'll get that fixed. I know that the coffee didn't work because we blew a fuse because we're awesome. Um, <laughs> we were trying to make it hot in here, but it didn't happen. Um, and we'll have coffee for you next week. Thanks for being patient with us. I know we're going to have to figure out a new flow, and those people who like to stay after service for four hours, you, uh, you're welcome. We want you to, just out, in the, out in, the, in the courtyard. And I know we're going to have to figure it out, and I know probably check-in was weird and all of these things. But here's, and, and I, I was asked about 10,000 people this morning, are you nervous? Are you nervous? No. And I'll tell you why. Because I know God's plan A. And here's the reality. If God has called it, you to it, there is no way that it can fail. Why? Because we gave control to God at this church. And we said to God, thy will be done. This is your church. This is your house. These are your people. Just lead us in the way that we should go. There is no plan B. There's no second location. We're not trying this place out for two weeks. We're all in. Are you all in? And it's great if you're all in with bedrock. I love that. But are you all in on Jesus? Are you all in on your marriage? Are you all in on, on your relationship with your kids? Are you all in to what God has called you to do? Or do you still have ships sitting on the shore? It's time to burn the ships. It's time. God is calling you. Who in this room needs to believe in Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, but you've been holding on and have the ships of every other religion sitting on the shore just in case. What if science does this and that? Or what if this happens or that happens? And you're like, why don't I have this like wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you entered the relationship with Jesus Christ with your foot half out, halfway out the door. It's time to burn the ships and it's time to move forward. And so here's my prayer for us as a church. Will you join us as we continue forward and burn the ships. And what does that mean for you? What boats, what hurt in this room? I know there's a lot of people in this room with church hurt. It's like everyone has to have it today. I get it. But what hurt is holding you back because you haven't burned the boat yet? How many of us have been in a relationship with that guy or that girl and we know we should get married, but we're worried about well, if it, what if it fails like it did last time? And what if this happens like last time? And so we leave a boat on the shore, burn the ship? What part of your past, whether good or bad, 
that you just need to let go because you can't take an old identity into a new place. This is, a, this is like a reset and a restart right here. And so today, I know that all of us have something and we have boats on the shore. I know. I had to burn some this week. How do you need to respond to God today? What does that look like for you? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to sing. We're going we're gonna to get excited in this place. And we have people down front coming forward this morning to pray with you. How do you release control? How do you, how do you give it to God? How do you burn the boats? You talk to God about it. You go all in. It's time. God's calling you to something in this room because God does not call idle people. You were created for a purpose. It's time to step into it. And so would you join me in praying? And as we praise, I'll be right here somewhere in the front. Pastor Mark is gonna be down here. Others, uh, AJ's coming. Like, just be, we'll be right down here in the front. Pastor Kyle's gonna be here. Pastor AJ, everyone's gonna be here. Come and pray with us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to burn some boats with you today. I'll bring the matches. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for this place and the work that you're going to do here. We know the plan that you have created for us is good. And so, Lord, we, we give it to you. We give bedrock to you. We give our lives to you. We trust you. We, we walk towards you. And God, give us this new identity and help us to walk in it, to receive it in faith and fully. God, God, restore our marriages. God, renew our commitment. God, restore our families. God, restore our finances. God, restore our health. God, restore our trust in you. God, in this moment, would we just take off the old clothes and put on the new clothes? And would we walk with you? God, would we trust you? Would we give you control in this moment? Because if you've called us to it, it's already done. It cannot fail. So God, I pray today in faith and in courage and in strength and in humility that people will walk forward as an act of faith to burn the ships so that they can walk forward into what you have for them. God, this is a start of something so incredible that you've already done so much, but God, there's so much more ahead of us. And so God, call out your people. Bring them to you. Encourage them today. Help us to burn the boats and to start anew. God, we love you. We thank you in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen.